everyone and welcome to another episode of She Speak HR. So I'm joined today by Jessica Pearson, who is an employment specialist in the employment team of Milton Keynes with me. Um, hi, Jessica. How are you doing? Hello, I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, good. Thank you. Good. Um, so before we get started on today, which is a really interesting topic, actually, um, I have to ask you, Jessica, the question that we ask all of our guests that come on the podcast. And that is, what is your favourite podcast? But aside from She Speaks HR, you mean? Well, obviously. <laughs> um, so I'm not a big podcast listener, but when I do, anything kind of lighthearted, really, a bit of comedy is always good. That sounds good. Yeah, no, definitely. And like you say, She Speak HR hopefully is at the top of your, uh, your list as well. But no, that's great. Well, welcome, Jessica. So today we're going to talk about basically female health and women in the workplace and we're going to do a really quick kind of almost five minute roundup of five things that have happened recently in that kind of field that area so if I kick us off so I'm going to talk about the pause on menopause basically so just a little bit of background I guess back in July 2021 so going back a little bit now the Women and Equalities Committee produced a report on menopause in the workplace and this report recommended that the government basically amend the Equality Act um, to provide uh, for menopause as a protected characteristic and make it an obligation for employers to provide reasonable adjustments for staff going through the menopause. All right, okay, so did they actually make the changes? So they actually rejected the recommendation um, and the rationale was that it would actually not protect employees experiencing less favourable treatment because of their menopause symptoms. So the government refers to the protected characteristics of sex, age, disability, and basically says that these already provide protection against discriminatory treatment of staff experiencing the menopause. So there was also a discussion um, that it was rejected in part because of a fear as well that it would discriminate against men. Okay, so if they've rejected the recommendations, is there anything else they're going to put in place instead? It looks like not all of the recommendations were rejected. So the government said it will appoint a menopause uh, employment champion to work with businesses and unions to encourage good practice in the workplace. Okay, so if that's at a higher level, what can employers do sort of on a more local level then to help there? So I think if employers are wanting to to look at that and how they support employees, um, I suppose experiencing menopause in the workplace, they should consider what internal measures they can put in place or maintain if they've already got them. Um, just to make sure that those staff members going through the menopause feel that they're fully supported um, and especially if they're experiencing symptoms at work as well, just to make sure that that they they know that the employer is wanting to support them and help them. Um, so that's the first one. What about you, Jessica? Have you got any, any updates in this field? Yeah, so actually it ties in quite nicely to um, what you've just spoken about. And there's some support for women in the workplace, actually, from the Department of Health and Social Care. So they're trying to help further these objectives of the Women's Health Strategy for England, which was published back in July 2022. Okay, so what's the plan there? So basically, the support that they're going to offer is in the form of a grant, um, which is designed to help women experience reproductive health issues. So things like pregnancy loss, um, pregnancy itself, menopause or more general fertility problems. So it's helping women experiencing issues like this return to the workplace. Um, the grant is actually £1.97 million and that's going to be shared between 16 charities um, and those charities are Fertility Network UK, Sands, Tommy's, um, Mind and several others as well. Oh, that's really interesting. Yeah, so it's actually the first strategy to focus on women's health. 
and it's aiming to ensure that women feel able to speak openly about their health in the workplace, which often hasn't been the case. So they're encouraging things like implementing policies surrounding women's health, along with sharing information to increase general awareness in the workplace. So as a result of that, there's hope then that the employers will be better equipped to support women experiencing these health-related issues. So do we know, um, I suppose with that, how long the focus on reproductive health uh, will be for? Or... I think it's until 2025, which will help kickstart things. And then the focus might shift to a different area. And is it just aimed at women or will it be sort of more inclusive? Well, the language itself does focus on women, but we do expect that the focus will include any individual who experiences that female orientated reproductive health issue. Um, so it could actually be a real lifeline for those people that who would have otherwise felt unable to stay in employment. Yeah, no, that sounds really interesting. Um, and I think like that last point you make is quite important as well. And I think as we're, we're sort of finding that employers are wanting to be a little bit more inclusive at the moment, and it isn't just women as we know we're trying to be inclusive and it's like you say it's any kind of female orientated uh, reproductive health issues that any employee is experiencing basically um so if i if i go to the third one then and i'll kind of five five things so the next one i want to look at is actually um support to help women return to stem careers so recently the minister for women and equalities uh, launched an initiative to help people return to STEM careers following a career break taken due to caring responsibilities um, and I suppose just to kind of say like STEM most people are probably aware of this but basically means science technology engineering and maths that's good so how will this support be offered so it looks like that there's going to be £150,000 of government funding and the money will be used to help upskill those who want to return to work um, and it looks like there'll be sector-specific refresh training and also personalised support. So it does sound like quite practical help then, which will be really useful. Um, but who will be running it? So it looks like the initiative will be run by two organisations, so Women Returners and also STEM Returners. And I guess we know that traditionally it's usually been women who end up taking the career breaks to care for children. Um, and apparently, just some stats from from this, apparently only 29% of the UK STEM workforce is made up of women. So the initiative will probably go some way towards improving equality across the workforce, especially which um, I suppose that sector, which has been a traditionally male dominated sector as well. Um, so, yeah, one to watch, I think, in that space. Um, so have you got, I've got another update, Jessica. Yeah, so uh, slightly different tangent here, but on children's mental health. Um, so there was actually a Children's Mental Health Week, which ran from the 6th to the 12th of February uh, this year. And we have actually seen a real focus on mental health in recent years. Um, and in fact, there are increasingly more workdays lost by people with childcare responsibilities. Yeah, I can imagine that it's, it's probably difficult for employers in that situation, especially if their staff need time off at short notice to care for children i guess inevitably from the employer's perspective it could and possibly will impact on their work yeah it can do exactly and it's quite a sensitive issue to manage as well um so recently michelle did write an article for our website where she looked at some practical tips that employers can use in these types of situations um so for example they can connect with employees more regularly, right, as you should do with any employee, um, just to understand what's happening with them. 
They can raise awareness amongst management teams. They can invest in training as well. Yeah, I suppose with the training, um, some employers might say, oh, actually, that that's the cost to them or cost yeah. a bit of money. So I suppose if budget is a problem, I assume there probably are out there kind of mental health employee resource groups and people that can help as well. So hopefully yeah. that prevents there being a, a barrier for that. Yeah, exactly. There are resources out there to suit every budget. Um, and employers can also make sure that their own internal employee policies um, that relate to parental leave, emergency dependent leave and flexible working are up to date as well for their workforce. Yeah, that's very true and a really good point. Like we we very often in these podcasts come back to policies and we probably do sound like a bit of a broken record at times, but they are really important to have. Um, and I think it's important that the policies have a sufficient flexibility in them and actually employees know where to find them as well because it's all good having a wonderful suite of policies but they're hidden away in a corner of the intranet that nobody knows so bring them out and, and tell people where they are yeah exactly and employers should also in turn like signpost employees to support services whether these are offered by the employer themselves or even an independent body and resource externally um, they could also consider offering health insurance which covers children if that's an option um, and then lastly, employers could also appoint a mental health champion within the workplace. So someone that employees can consult or confide in if they've got any difficulties. No, that's great. Thank you. And I think to kind of round up today, I'm going to bring it back to menopause again. So we started with menopause, we're going to end with menopause. So recently, the Labour Party um, have announced new plans aimed at supporting the well-being of women in the workplace, particularly around menopause. Okay, so we really are seeing quite an emphasis then on, on women's health recently. So why have they decided to target this in particular? Um, so it looks like that just their, their rationale is it can have a real impact on women, their ability to work, um, much like the long-term fluctuating health condition would. Um, according to the Fawcett uh, Society, which is a membership charity that campaigns for, for women's rights, eight in 10 women receive no support from employers for the menopause, with one in 10 women stating that they had left a job due to their menopausal symptoms. Right, so what does Labour's plan involve then? So Labour's basically pledged that if they were in government, they would bring in a requirement for large companies to implement their own menopause action plans, setting out how they support their employees who experience menopausal symptoms. So for example, they would look to offer paid time and flexible working hours, working environments with temperature controlled areas, uh, alterations to uniform if needed to help manage symptoms, and also offering training to managers about how the menopause affects women and the assistance they may need. Okay, and then like we saw in our previous topic, is this just targeted at women or do you think this will be more inclusive as well? I think it will end up being more inclusive. I think similar to the grant that like you say offered yeah. by the Department of Health and, and Social Care, while the language used focuses on women, we, I do expect that it will encompass anyone who experiences female-orientated reproductive health issues. Um, and I think it's kind of hopes as well that Labour's pledge could be a catalyst maybe that drives employers to improve their approach to menopause in the workplace. And, and it's hoped that more companies, particularly large companies, will end up following the recommendation or recommendations, I should say, from Labour. So so there we go. There's five uh, five key things uh, relating to women's health and um, sort of women in the workplace generally. Um, so thank you, Jessica, for, for joining me today and coming on to talk through that. 
Um, as always, if any of our listeners have any questions or comments or want to share anything with us, um, please do email shespeakhr at shoesmiths.co.uk um, and we'll be happy to to have a look. Or again, if you've got any suggestions for topics, let, let us know. So yeah, thanks, Jessica. And um, we'll see you all next time. Yeah, see you soon. Thank you. Thank you.